This is Napkin Scribbles, a podcast by Arthur and Professor Leonard Sweet. Today's Napkin Scribble is sponsored by Portland Seminary of George Fox University. For more information, join them on the web at portlandseminary.org. Now here's Leonard Sweet. One of the two greatest theologians who ever lived, in my humble opinion, was John Calvin. The other arguably Thomas Aquinas. But John Calvin, and I'm not a Calvinist, but if you're going to be a Christian that knows anything about your tradition, you've got to come to terms. Even Wesleyans, even non-Calvinists like me, have got to come to terms with this French theologian, trained as a lawyer, pastor, um, who lived from 1509 to 1564, and who in 1536 published one of the greatest theological treatises, tomes, in all of Christian history, the Christian Institutes. It's called the Institutes of the Christian Religion, 1536. Now, you can summarize Calvinism And it was formulated at the Synod of Dort in 1619. But it's summarized in this one acronym, TULIP, T-U-L-I-P. And TULIP means T is total depravity, U is unconditional election, L is limited atonement, I is irresistible grace, and P is perseverance of the saints. Now, I personally, and my brother is a, is a hardcore Calvinist, and we have this little game going on because when he comes to visit me, he sometimes brings a tulip, and I allow no tulips on my property. So I just begin very, with, with great motion and emotion to tear the tulip apart and to kind of throw it in his face as he brings it to me. But, of course, he calls me uh, a daisy. You know, the, the Wesleyans, he calls the daisies. You know, love me, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. So you got the tulips versus the daisies. But John Calvin, the, the, the one who started this whole movement, was a brilliant thinker and who, who brought to theology a systematic approach And what he did in the Institutes of Christian Religion is he would take the doctrine of the sovereignty of God and he would develop it and and probe it and plunge into its depths and write it up. And nobody has ever stated the divine sovereignty and, and the doctrine of God's sovereignty better than John Calvin. But then he would leave it. So he created this silo. Uh, and then he would go and say, okay, let's do human responsibility. So he'd go over and he'd write on human responsibility and, and the importance of human responsibility and its relationship to prayer itself. And, and then he really made a strong case for our role in the life of faith. But then he, he'd silo it. And so he never brought these silos, these strategic, this is, these systematic, strategic, theological systems together in the conversation. He just kind of dumped them. And so you have the Institutes of Christian Religion. If you want these probes into certain features of Christian theology, 
the, the problem is that that we are uh, systemic. We're not just a mechanical system. Uh, we're and systems uh, check one another and they talk to one another. And so you have here some things that Calvin pushed to the extreme, such as predestination, which became Calvinistic determinism, where to be justified became successful. And then you got Darwinist determinism, kind of replacing Calvinist determinism. And then you got Marxist economic determinism piled on top of Darwin's biological determinism. And then you got Freudian psychosexual determinism. So you can look at all these determinisms as finding somewhat of their inspiration in, in Calvin himself, who took predestination, made it double, made it uh, strong, and became a theology so propositionally sharp, its edges cut anyone who gets close to it, I think. Now, my brother and I argue um, all the time, um, first of all, about the, the regulative principle of worship that Calvinists hold that God commands churches to conduct public services of worship using certain distinct elements affirmatively found in the scriptures. And conversely, that God prohibits any and all other practices in public worship. In other words, if you don't find it in the scriptures, you can't use it. Um, and I take the exact opposite approach that um, unless it's forbidden in scripture, you are um, you are empowered and released to uh, to to play with it and to to use it and use it for the the glory of God. And so we we fight about this. We we fight about um, you know I I can't. He thinks John Calvin was closer to Jesus than anybody else in in the history of the world. Uh, he, he just Jesus was he's. A, and I, I go to him and I go, of course, I think John Wesley was closer to Jesus than anybody else in the history of Christianity. But, you know, I, so when my brother's singing the praises of, of John Wesley, I remind him of Michael Servetus, uh, who, who escaped the Inquisition but was burned at the stake by Calvin. And now it's true that Calvin didn't want Servetus to be burned at the stake for heresy. He, he, he wanted a much more compassionate treatment. Uh, he wanted him to be headed. He thought that was the more compassionate uh, treatment. And then my brother, of course, when I'm mentioning uh, all of Calvin's problems, he goes, sweet, let's talk about Wesley's love life. Uh, you want to talk to me about uh, Calvin and Servetus? Let's talk about Wesley and, and Molly Vazil and Grace Murray. And, and what was her name? Sophie Avia. And I go, okay, we'll, we'll just let this one go. We'll stop arguing here, <laughs> but there, there is, uh, you have to pay tribute to this great mind here. Although um, this great mind could be very severe. Edwin Muir, the poet, deconverted from strict Calvinism, um, but he never could leave it without some anger. And in one of his poems, he wrote, uh, this, is, this is his phrase, the word made flesh is here, made word again. That's a phrase from Edward Muir about Calvinism. The word made flesh is here, made word again. A word made word in flourish and arrogant crook. See there, King Calvin, with his iron pen and God three anger, angry letters in a, in a book. I respect Calvin as a theologian and as a thinker. The problem is some people who are followers of Calvin try to be more Calvin than Calvin, and some Wesleyans try to be more Wesley than Wesley. I wish we'd try and be more Jesus than Jesus, but um, 
Um, but we, um, the, the, the power of this system of thought is immense. And it has even influenced um, writers today. Marilyn Robinson, who got the Pulitzer Prize for her, her book, Gilead, which is built around um, a minister. And um, it's, it's the story of a minister. Her, she's herself, all of her writings are in sense a defense of Calvinism. You can see this specifically in The Death of Adam in 1998. So you have Calvinism still present, still argued. There's a whole kind of Calvinist element in many of the new Baptist circles. But um, you need to know, if anything, just as a foil for one of the greatest theological um, elaborations of Christian doctrine in the history of Christianity. Um, to, to bring it home a little bit, and let's end with a little humor, um, anybody know how Elvis Presley died? He, he actually died on the, actually died on the toilet, okay? Reading, uh, reading books about um, the, the, the fabric of the Shroud of Turin and the fabric on which Jesus' image was supposed to be imprinted. Luther had his moving experience, his tumor lameness, his, his tower moment when he experienced what it meant to be um, received by God by grace on the cloaca, which means it was also a, a, um, a moving experience in the, in, the, in the bathroom. John Calvin died on the toilet, passing a kidney stone. So in all these theologians and in and Elvis, who in some way was a theologian himself, you have some of the most decisive, incisive moments taking place in their life and in the history of the Reformation in this most private of of space. Um, Calvin, I thank God for Calvin. Um, I thank God for giving us uh, what happens, at least in my mind, when the power of reason becomes disconnected from the power of emotion. In other words, when the left brain takes primacy over the right brain. Calvinism, one of the great theologians in the history of Christianity. Thank you for listening to Napkin Scribbles. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with a friend today. Today's Napkin Scribbles was sponsored by Portland Seminary of George Fox University. For more information, join them on the web at portlandseminary.org. For Professor and Arthur Leonard Sweet, until next time, happy scratching and scribbling.